Welcome to this week's Chairshot Podcast, a very, very special episode. Um, Barry Murphy not here because he's unwell, but you have me, your host for the evening, Paul Griffin, and my good friend, Joe Towner. Hello. Uh, and we're going to be discussing, as I said, a very special episode, all things Avengers Endgame. So, Joe, what did you think of it? So, you've not seen Avengers no, I haven't yet, seen it. I understand I haven't it, right? seen it. How have you not seen it yet, Joe? It's made one point two billion dollar dues yes, in the world. Enough, Everyone's seen it. People have seen it, baby. I don't need to waste my time watching that fucking uh, Disney's Marvel's fucking Avengers Part Four to fucking Infinity War Endgame shit. I'll just wait until it's on. Uh, but have yeah, you maybe? not? Have you not seen the twenty-one previous films? I've seen twenty of them. What's the other one you've not seen? I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yet. Ah, that wasn't that very good. Yeah, like most of them. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair shout. <laughs> I, I don't think any of them are... Well, Thor 2 is pretty bad. Outside of that, I don't think any of them are like bad, but... Hulk's pretty bad as well. Oh yeah, I forgot about Hulk. That's, yeah, I did see that. Hulk and Thor 2, I think, are definitely the worst. The Depending on who you ask, Joe, because I know someone give it a 9 out of 10. Um... But I th- yeah, I think they're definitely the worst. I, I haven't seen Captain Marvel as well. Does that count? Um, it does count. Uh, also not very good. Also not very good. What about the new Spider-Man? That's not out yet, so that's... Presumably... No, and the next one. That's part of phase two. The next ten years of uh, Marvel films we've got to look forward to. Ooh, can't wait for that. Um, no, I haven't seen it. I assume you saw it. I've seen it. I saw it today. Was it busy cinema? Yeah. We were, oh. sit- we were sitting over to the side rather than the centre where we normally sit because all those seats were gone already. That's annoying, isn't it? Um, I didn't mind it so much this time. I was hoping that we wouldn't have some fat pleb sit next to us. Uh, <laughs> but giving to an Avengers movie, that's too much to hope for because um, we, uh, we got to take it specifically, right? Um, by the aisle. Yeah. Like aisle seat, but on the far side. So you're between the wall oh, okay. and the aisle. Now, there are only three seats there. And we had two of them, so I'm thinking, okay, with any luck, some fucking loner twat won't show up on his own to see Avengers and sit right by the wall. And then Barry walked in. Uh, <laughs> oh, hello. XXL popcorn. <laughs> um, we, we were not so lucky, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think otherwise it was an okay cinema-going experience. I didn't get annoyed so much by phones and the like that I mm. usually do. There were some there was some talking during it, but it's all right. You know, the, the movie's loud enough that it kind of drowned a lot of it out. Um, huh? The little kid. What little kid was there? They were like, well, they were not laugh at a film. They had fun. Okay, good. I didn't get upset at anybody during the film, <laughs> except the fucking screenwriters. Am I right? Um, <laughs> no. Uh, so I'll talk about that in movie guff a wee bit later. Although there's a weird thing with this movie, um, and to an extent was also with um, Infinity War, 
was like the entire movie is considered a spoiler. Like, what can you talk about? Um. Um. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like even the plot of the film itself is a spoiler. If I say to somebody, uh, Toy Story is about these little toys what come to life. and No, don't fucking tell me. It's like, well, how far can you <laughs> explain a film to somebody without it being considered a spoiler? Because keep in mind, this film is three hours and ten minutes long. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot of stuff that happens in it. Um, mm. But the stuff that in the first act, some people might consider a spoiler and not want to hear about it. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what is really a spoiler anymore. Are films just good? Because you, you have on one hand film trailers that are showing... Entire films, basically, like the new um, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. You, oh yeah, you know the whole film, basically. And then on the other hand, you have stuff like Avengers uh, Endgame, and people don't want to know fucking anything about it. Mm. That the plot itself is a spoiler. Never mind the actual, you know, results of what happens and so on. So I don't know, but um, sure, we'll talk about that, that film later. Joe has somehow avoided the urge to go see it. I believe you you actually had a choice to see that or two other films. And that yeah, you went with that yeah. instead. I went with the other films. Mm. Uh, so I'll discuss those later. Right. Um, so as we said, this is our first show in two weeks. Quite uh, an uneventful two weeks, especially on the wrestling front. Uh, which oh. is mad because they had a super a super sharp shakeup, um, and not much happened. That newsworthy, I think. Roman Reigns no, on SmackDown no. now. Uh, that's it, basically. I mean, yeah, well, there's not much they can do. Who can they move that would make any difference? Yeah. All right, well, they're going to move Drew McIntyre. Does it matter what brand he's on? Not there really. is a funny situation now with the whole brand extension that I, th- I think SmackDown was for a while had quite a different identity to Raw, but they've kind of become again the same thing, which is what happened the last time mm. <laughs> and the time before that. Mm. So I don't know. But anyway, we're going to get to all that stuff later on. Joe, tell me, how was your Easter holiday? It was it was very good. Um we went out quite a bit. I don't know. What did we do? What did we do? What? At Easter. We went to lots of places. Yeah, we went to lots of parks. Ice cream every day. We had ice cream every day. That was good. Oh, yeah. We went because it was really beautiful weather. It was amazing weather. It was a good, what, 30 degrees? Mm-hmm. close Oof. to 30 degrees over here. Very warm. Was it nice there? Um. Yeah. Weather-wise, right? it was quite nice. Yeah. It was really... We had like a very short but nice spell of warm weather so we made most of it went out to the park had some lovely ice creams yeah we had a barbecue uh oh one of the days which day was it the friday was it the friday we had the barbecue thursday. the thursday no, it, was the friday. it was the friday well that was good friday we shouldn't have been eating, eating meat at all the baby jesus won't be happy with us wine, so... oh she probably forgot oh. no, she knew because your father reminded her and she was like did she give a little wink to the, in the direction of the church? Like, don't be worried about it. It's only one year, lads. Right. Yeah, so we had a barbecue on Good Friday. <laughs> it was very nice. Because <laughs> Good Friday in Ireland, I think more so than any, any other country in the world, is still quite stringent, stringently observed by mm. the Catholic uh, mass goers. 
And that means no meat and no alcohol on Friday, the day Oof. our Lord got nailed on the old cross. Oof. So we had a barbecue with lots of meat. Uh, wine was had as well, not by me. Good Christian boy. Um, mm. And egg-wise, I don't think we went mad on the eggs. I've had... What did I have? I ha- I I got an arrow egg, oh, yeah. which I've e- a little one, which I've eaten about half of. I have a galaxy egg that I've not even opened, uh, yet. And I had I bought myself uh, like a twirl egg, and I ate that. I think that's all I, all I ate egg wise over Easter. Partially because one of my teeth decided, uh, it was time to hurt very badly, and this is partially why there was no um episode last week. Also, yep. I forgot to bring my uh, mixer and headphones down to my parents' house. But, as we've done in the past, there's a workaround for that. Uh, but this time, what happened was, uh, I was sick from work. Um, <laughs> the Tuesday and the Wednesday of last week, leading into Easter. And what it, what the first symptoms were, was I had... Well, felt like a sinus infection, like my sinuses are very Ooh, sore. Yeah, and then that moved into my ear, and it felt like my ear was on, on the precipice of popping for like a couple of days. And I'd be mm. const- constantly trying to, you know, when you stretch your jaw to try and kind of crack trying and pop, pop the ear. Pop yeah, that, doing that, that doing that all day. Uh, and what what that turned into, and what eventually was the problem was one of my tooth. Uh, one of my teeth, I should say. That uh, <laughs> one of them tooth. I'm one like of my tooth. Baby Gerald here, my one big tooth. Um, one of my teeth that has a filling in it started getting very, very sore. Mm. Um, and I, I could, I kind of thought initially that was a problem with the filling that the filling had maybe come loose or something. But um, I eventually got to see it. I only this was maybe this was on like as I said the Friday before Easter, so I've suffered now. From from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, because the dentist was closed over Easter weekend, of course, uh, suffering with this incredibly painful toothache, like really sharp pain. So, I would say, over the course of that weekend, I probably took about a wrestler's good wrestler amount of painkillers. <gasps> Paul, you shouldn't be taking painkillers. Hey, you get addicted. I cried. But that was because I couldn't sleep. Oh, I didn't really cry. I was. Oh, oh I didn't really cry. Got <laughs> <laughs> some dust in my eye. I'm a fucking uh, John Wayne over here. <laughs> I cry. I, um, well, there was one night where I just couldn't sleep because it was so painful, mm. and it, it was it was a weird thing because if I can't sleep, I'll usually, uh, you know, get the tablet out, put my headphones in, and watch YouTube or play the Switch or I don't know. But I was I was tired enough to sleep. Too tired that I could do any of those things, but I couldn't fall asleep because of the pain of the tooth. So I was just stuck, basically. Mm. And I was like that until I got to go to the dentist there on Tuesday. And uh, went into the you dentist. Out. No, you say your tooth, your tooths are all right, but oh. you have an abscess Ooh. under one. Uh, and he said the tooth that you have it under is one of the more complicated teeth. <laughs> So we have to send you off to an orthodontist to do oh. the root canal. Wait, 
Orthodontist do root canals? Well, it's an orthodontist clinic, and there's some root canal oh, specialist there. But they've got a specialist in yeah. there. So I have that um, Tuesday morning. So I've already booked Tuesday off work. I offered to go in afterwards because it's 8 a.m. in the morning. So mm. it, the the procedure will take like, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. That's true. And um, I said, like, listen, if you're stuck, I can come in afterwards. But I'll have like <laughs> half numbed face. I'll have a big swollen cheek. I'll be on the fucking Lu- Lulu pills. Dribbling everywhere. <laughs> so I don't know how much use I'll be. La, la, la. <laughs> I'll keep biting my face and to- and tongue and I'll just have blood coming out of my mouth. Um but no, I'll just I'll just take the whole day off and I'll um get that done. Yeah. But it was really bad and the the worst part of the entire weekend and I remember it very vividly. We were having a nice Easter dinner of, you know, turkey and that. And I had made the mistake to get some nice water out of the fridge. Mm. And ooh it went right to my little injured tooth, and uh, it was very, very, very sore. Oh, that's it. So I went up and popped some pills, as you do. Yeah. A few more pills. I was on... The gimmicks. I was on codeine. I was on paracetamol, ibuprofen. What, all three? Yeah, just different times, just whatever. Whatever it was. Give me them. I mean, I, I would say without exaggeration... I probably took over the weekend, like f- over those four days, somewhere in the range of, I don't know, 50, to 50 painkillers? Mm. So 50, 60. A lot of painkillers. It was really bad. Um, and Now, I've not had the procedure yet, but I, I've been on antibiotics since I've um, been at the dentist because the abscess was apparently caused by a bacterial infection. And it's very manageable now. I'm, I'm, it kind of, I have a bit of a dull pain when I wake up, mm. and I'll take two paracetamol, and that's all I'll take in the day. Like that'll do me for the whole day. So I, today and yesterday, I've taken four tablets, compared to, <laughs> like that would have done me, a couple of hours over that first weekend. It was so 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 bad. Um, but uh, on the mend anyway. And I, there would have been no way I would have been able to do a full podcast um, Easter Sunday or last week. Uh, why don't you cry on the, on the show? <laughs> well, wait, <laughs> wait till we get to my Avengers Endgame review. Then we get. Because I tell you, watching Avengers Endgame, there were a few little moments where the the lip did a little a little tremble, but I I was able to hold it together. Sorry, sorry. Um, and then in, in addition to that, we were at. Uh, Natty's brother's house yesterday for some socializing. They uh, bought a house a while ago. This is kind of the the official, I guess, housewarming party. Hmm. Hey. Because they have floors now. Because they have floors now. Yeah. Just just the floor shop. Um, Standing very still, balancing. (laughs) Um, Fucking move. Tightrope walking. Um. So yeah, that that was very nice. Um, Just had a few food and drinks over there with um, a lot of people we didn't know. It was funny, though, because there was a group that came in and they just had the most familiar faces. Like, I felt that I knew them already, but I, obviously I didn't. But I was like, you got one of them faces that <laughs> makes me think I know you. He's like, I don't think I do. I don't think you do. <laughs> so, just look familiar. One of them faces. Um, but that was nice. We were there for a couple of hours and then we headed back. And it just gets me excited for when 
we buy our own house and kind of mm. get on that mm. stage of the journey because we've been saving for a while now and um that'll be the next step to actually get on the old mortgage ladder and do all that and buy plates yeah. from ikea and whatnot oh yeah that's the plan Ooh. that's the plan because their house is lovely Good. it's yeah. um it's funny because i would describe it as quite a narrow house but it's got three stories so it feels very big narrow oh narrow but three stories yeah interesting i really like it it's really really nice but uh, i think natty and myself we'd be kind of happy with with whatever i don't have yeah. any specific two, two stories we good two yeah. stories but a bit wider <laughs> it has to have either an electric shower or a very good boiler but you can just get an electric shower it's like your parents haven't gotten one for your room before like, they had got one in the uh, extension like they can't put one in this house uh, we, 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 sorry now. I'll pay the little electricity man. Sorts out with the shower there, buddy. <laughs> Don't worry about. Yeah, but then when we buy a house, we own the wall, so we do whatever we want with it. That's the wall, brother. We get electric shower. Don't worry. And if not, we'll do with the little immersion for a while. It's fine. Um. <laughs> but that was basically our um. Our Easter week. We um yeah we went as I said we went out about a bit. We like we love going to a lovely street food market. Yeah. Um so we went to a few of those over Easter. Uh, there's a big one in in London called Curb, who put on kind of street food markets over, across the city, mm. and they had a really big one on uh, near Waterloo. So we went to that, and it was popping on the uh, on the Saturday, as you can imagine, tourists and all that. Uh, the end. but yeah, it was good. And we also uh, went to a little. They gave a little talk about how to kind of open your own street food business. Mm. Um, just something that always kind of intrigued Michelle and I because we we just uh, like the whole the whole kind of concept of it. So that was really interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was good. Tried lots of nice food. Had some Taiwanese fried chicken uh, and chips All with right. a curry gravy. That was really nice. Have you, uh, have you ever played that... Curbs, by the way? You what? Have you ever played Curbs, the game? Oh, what's that? You bounce the ball off the curb. Bounce the it? ball off the curb, yeah. No, I don't think that's... Very dangerous game. Over, over here yet. My brother broke uh, his collarbone playing Curbs. What? Yeah, he fell down. Tried to catch the ball. Oh. Anyway, sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, had some lovely Taiwanese chicken. Michelle had some vegan stuff or something. I don't know. It was fine. Whatever. Um, yeah. Very, Is Michelle very nice. a vegan? No, she likes all the vegan stuff. Right. Well, I remember you doing the review of the vegan burgers the other week. Is yeah, yeah. No, we are. We do like the vegan stuff. We're not fully committed to the the vegan lifestyle. It's a bit, a lot of effort. Wait, Natty has a question. What do you want to ask? Okay, Michelle, I have a friend. No, Michelle's who... not on the podcast. Well, You're gonna ask me. Oh, I, I can chat. Is a vegan, and she says that the shroom dogs sold in Sainsbury's. Are exactly the same as regular sausages. So shroom uh, dogs called shroom dogs. Yeah, and I would like, like I'd like to know high. if it's true. Um, right, are think, sh- the shroom dogs in Sainsbury's are they yeah. any good? Yeah, Michelle, have you had the shroom dogs in Sainsbury's? Yes. Uh, are they as good as real sausages? Yeah. Yes, they she are. She says yes. She says they're really good. I mean, Sainsbury's doesn't exist over here, so that's not a, uh, an information we can point to use, but. 
Uh, Next time we're in know. London, we get some shroom dogs. Oh, Post you some. I'll just I'll just get some normal sausages to be honest. <laughs> I mean, if you can't tell the difference, then no problem. Well, we used to, when I was a kid, we used to get um, vegetarian sausages and burgers uh, around the time of the foot and mouth scare. Oh yeah, the yeah. Linda McCartney brand mm. burgers. I never liked them to be honest. <laughs> I said <laughs> these are not. These are not satisfying my bloodlust. Nah, I think um, they've probably improved since since those days, though. Mm. It's a bit more effort in the older vegan food these days. But you think with science nowadays that you could just make <laughs> anything taste like anything, couldn't you? That they should just uh, have whatever burger yeah. flavor in a little vial and you just pour it on a carrot or whatever. Yummy, yummy. Yeah. There is the the impossible burger, which I think I've talked about before. That's the one that you said, yeah, yeah. It's it's basically meat, but made from all the different kind of parts Soy from plants. Stuff, yeah. yeah, so they take like the fat from coconut oil, the kind of carbs from soy, the something from something else, and mix it all together. So it's essentially the same chemicals as a beef burger, but just taken from plant sources. So mm, I think that's the future. Idea, just yeah. just like put it all together. Yeah. Or maybe the future is just growing, like burgers. Grow a burger in a lab. Yeah. So you take no, you just take a little bit of DNA from a cow. Just the oh bit, yeah, the bit yeah. what the burger come from. Put that in a uh, tube. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the, you get the, your your tube over a Bunsen burner. Little drops of cow in it. Yeah. Bada boom. Grow the burger. Oh. Eh. Well, can't wait to find out. Which one? Right. So let's get on then to our telly. weekly consummation of media. We'll start with telly guff. Content guff. I'm all caught up with the Game of Thrones, Joe. Yeah, what did you think of episode two? Uh, I thought the first Well, I hadn't seen the first episode oh, yeah. when what you and Barry spoke one? about it. Um, well, I think the first oh. two episodes were satisfying without being you know exciting or really really meaningful in any way i mean yeah. the first episode was definitely just one of those uh moving the chess pieces episodes that the series typically start with um and then the second episode felt like okay we've only got so many more episodes to to go this will be our last kind of easygoing one where we give some nice moments to the viewers and blah 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 then from here on out it'll be just war and death and murders you know yeah 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 yeah. I mean you kind of feel I don't know if they really needed two episodes to kind of get us back to the the real uh, kind of mix of things and the plot and the action Mm. so maybe they could have done one, one kind of long episode that covered a lot of the Kind of well, that's the thing, because the remaining episodes of the series are all going to be in the 80-minute range. Yeah, they're all big boys. And the first two episodes combined were only 105 minutes or so. Yep. Like, yep. It, removing the two-minute-long intro and the yeah. <laughs> next yeah. week. You know, like, you could have made them into a 100 100-minute 100 minute episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting, because there's only now, obviously, four episodes left. They're all going to be of a decent length, admittedly. But um, it seems like yeah, there's only two directions 
that it's going to go in, it's going to either be in this upcoming, you know, battle. Um, either the good guys are victorious, and then that leads them down to King's Landing for the the ultimate battle, I suppose. Or the White Walkers are victorious, and then they go down to King's Landing for the battle. So it looks to me like whatever way we're going, we're going to have two more battle episodes this season. And maybe one filler one in the middle, but then that'll be it. Like, And maybe mm. one epilogue at the end. Mm. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see. Because we got presumably the big confrontation is going to be the next episode. Mm. Unless they kind of have a bit of a battle, but then that doesn't fully end the White Walker stuff. Yeah. That kind of then carries on. It'll be interesting to see what the, the next kind of, the final three episodes are about. Because they're all long. There's lots of stuff they can cover. I don't feel it's quite clear where the direction's heading yet. Whether it's going to be about the throne, whether it's going to be about John and Danny, whether it'll be something completely different. Really hard to predict. Yeah. I think the that was the only real advancing of a story was the John Danny stuff. Mm. Um, from the time John spoke to Sam and uh, Bran. And then leading up, obviously, to the very end of the last episode, where they got kind of distracted, right, as... Yeah, stuff was being explained. <laughs> Don't worry about that shit. Look what's under her eyes. Um, can we get, by the way, an episode where Tyrion doesn't say something like, "I will, I would like to die with a woman on my cock." <laughs> it feels like th- that's that's kind of the, that to me is one of the the only kind of hangovers from the worst of Game of Thrones from way back. Yeah, that they still have that super corny dialogue. Oh man, because it was in both episodes. In the first one, he's talking to um, Varys, and he's something like, "I'd rather be a dwarf than have no cock." And then this one, he's talking about cock again. It's like, Ooh, right. I, get, I, I get that that's his character and so on, but I, I feel like his character has developed a little bit since then, since the early days of Tyrion Lannister. After yeah. you know, he, you know, he had that like um, little kind of almost a father-daughter relationship with Sansa and mm. excuse me, but he's still he's still the, oh I want to have a a whore on my little penis. It's okay, okay. <laughs> this is stupid and I hate it. But uh, no, I thought the first two episodes were were very good. Yeah, they kind of flew by, as well, which is funny because not a lot happens in them. But they still, yeah, they didn't feel like they dragged on or were too long in, a, in any way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, episode three tonight, and uh, and we're coming yeah. very quick towards the end of the series. But don't worry, because there'll be a hundred spinoffs. Ooh, yeah, I can't wait. So what else have you been watching, Joe? Um, not too much. I was watching that, watching, catching up with, um, not catching up, but rewatching Veep as well. Mm-hmm. Um, new series of that started a few weeks ago, so I've been watching, rewatching the old ones, uh, and that flies by pretty quickly because it's only half an hour, ten episode seasons. So, on to season five of that already. So uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love Veep, but it is pretty funny, and it's what what very watchable show. Good. Yeah, I've never watched um, Veep, nor have I watched the thick of it. Those Ugh. kind of political 
satires. I know it's never just never got around to them. I guess. I believe Thick of It is supposed to be very good. Thick of It is a lot better, I'd say, than Veep. Right. Um. So I'd definitely at least watch that. Okay. Um. The movie, the In the Loop movie, is is fantastic as well. The only thing I saw by Armando Iannucci was uh, Death of Stalin, and I did quite enjoy that. Yeah, that's probably not as good as the stuff. So, <laughs> Fair enough. I, I didn't mind that, but yeah, I'd, I'd definitely uh, give In the Loop a go, or um, give Think of it a go. Yeah. Thanks, you. Um, well, I've continued to watch The Twilight Zone. Hmm. Um, I watched the third episode of there. I haven't yet watched the fourth one, which just came out on Thursday of last week. Uh, third episode is my favorite so far uh and the first one that properly felt like it suited first of all suited its run runtime because i thought the first few episodes though i enjoyed the second one i thought they both kind of dragged the concept on a little too long mm. whereas this one kind of worked um uh starred greg kinnear and stephen yun from uh, the walking dead and uh, the story of the episode basically was this kind of or not Alaska um, outpost uh, celebrate Christmas every year. It's like the little police station, basically. And uh, every year they let one of the people in their jail off free, like they pardon, basically. And so this Inuit woman brings in her brother as he's you know, kind of been drunk and disorderly, but kind of with the understanding that he's going to be released, as they do every year. Mm. So he's the only person down in the in the holding block. And the the police captain's doing a speech, and he says, "Okay, time to pardon our pardon our our uh, person in the jail." And so he she sends he sends her down, and she goes down. But there's another man in one of the other cells, a mysterious man, mm. and uh, it kind of goes Hitler? from there. Hey, is it Hitler? It's not Hitler. It's oh. this is the, played by Stephen Yeun. Usually um, isn't Twilight Not Hitler, funny enough. Um, and it kind of goes from there, but um. To me, that's kind of what the Twilight Zone is. It should be, and, and always kind of will be. Is there? There'll always be a kind of element of cheese to it. And um, oh, sorry, the, the episode I'm talking about is actually the fourth episode. The, the third episode was also good, but let me explain to you the the premise of the third episode. I, I think it kind of sums up a little bit my feeling of the Twilight Zone, which is that explaining the plots to people are always going to come off a little bit silly. And you just kind of have to accept that if you're watching The Twilight Zone, that it is always going to be a little bit silly and always going to be a little bit hokey. So if I explain to you that... Same with Doctor Who? Same with Doctor Who? I, I don't know. Don't watch Doctor Who. So I assume that's the case with Doctor Who also. But I think more so with The Twilight Zone, right? Because if I explain now that the plot of the third episode is that a woman, uh, a black woman and her son, as they're dr driving him to his first day of university, are kind of being heckled by this um, implied, not really explicitly said, but racist policeman. Mm. Uh, but she has a camcorder that when she press rewind on, it goes back in time. What? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what the Twilight Zone will always be. There'll always be something that when you explain to somebody else, uh, it's going to sound silly and, and hokey. And it is. But that's what the Twilight Zone is as a series. So if you kind of accept that, then you can enjoy it. So at the moment, we're... Um, uh, three out of four in terms of how many of them I like. I liked uh, the first episode. I still think is the weakest one, which is the one with um, uh, 
Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, that's the, that's also the longest episode, funny enough, was the one that was like 55 minutes. And mm. no, no way it deserved to be that long. But the three following episodes have all been kind of from good to very good. So I give the Twilight Zone a, a thumbs up. I do still think it's a little bit silly when Jordan Peele shows up. Because his dialogue is just horrible. He's like the narrator of the okay. series. So he just he, he just shows up the episode to go, and this Miss, Mrs. Patterson and her son are going on quite an unexpected trip. One which will take a drastic turn through the Twilight Zone. And he just like cocks his little eyebrow at the end. He gives a little wink to the camera. <laughs> That's all he does in it. And it's always kind of silly. Um, but it's fine. It's a good, it's a good series. Um, Natty and myself have started watching Full Metal Alchemist on Netflix. What's uh, that man- manga? That is a Japanese animated television show. We watched... Um, like Pokemon. A little bit like Pokemon, yeah. Or Digimon. But not with monsters. Uh, well, there are monsters in it. Not in the same... Yeah, different. Same sense. Um, we, we already watched the remade version of it. Uh, which was called Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which kind of was a lot closer to what the actual written story was. The thing that I can liken it to, I guess, is like, with Game of Thrones, which we're watching now, right? It's obviously diverged somewhat from the books. Um, especially since the books haven't, haven't even been finished yet. But imagine that in 10 years' time, they remake Game of Thrones after the books have now been released... And it sticks very, very close to the story of the books. That's kind of how these two series exist with Full Metal Alchemist mm. and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So, this series that we just started watching, I've never watched. This was the original one that started while the books were still being released. So, it kind of goes the same up to a point and then diverges wildly. So, that's going to be all new to me when we watch it. But it's been quite good so far. A little bit slower but, than the old one. But, um, good nonetheless. And I also finished watching the Conan O'Brien Conan Without Borders specials mm. on Netflix and I like them a lot because I'm a big Conan O'Brien guy oh yeah what, so what does he do he goes to different countries just goes to different countries and some of them are kind of more serious and some of them are very wacky and silly okay like there's one in uh, Israel which comes off mm. as very serious almost like a God borders on nearly a Louis Theroux documentary it's like very very straight and not very silly at all and then one that he goes to Italy for example he goes with one of his little sidekicks and it's very silly and very very funny but um, there's only six of those uh, on Netflix currently I don't know if they're going to bring out a another season of it or not but um, I know that Conan's late show has mm. been kind of cut to 20 minutes now and seems to be on his last leg so I don't know if they're going to do any more of this stuff but uh, six episodes that are, that are on Netflix are all very good and very funny that's what we've been watching. A uh, little music recommendation for the people out there, okay? Uh, I came across on Facebook, actually, that someone had shared this uh, this song. Uh, it's a song called Wolf Totem, and it's by a band called The Who. Oh, I've heard of them. H-U. Oh, no, I've not heard not of them. Not the Pete Townsend Who. But uh, they're a Mongolian band. Uh, and it's actually very very cool and very weird sounding um, so if people want to check that out 
you can look on YouTube. There's a video for the song. This band actually doesn't even have an album out yet. They've only brought out two singles that are on Spotify. Um, right. But I believe they have an album come out this year. But uh, The Who, Wolf Totem is the name of the song. And uh, yeah, watch the video. They play some wacky instruments and they do... It's like a... It's not really metal because there's no metal instruments in it. Mm. It's more of a kind of... God, almost an industrial sound to it, but they do like Mongolian throat singing and stuff in it, so it's got a really weird, unique sound to it. But I, I quite like it, I think it's very good. So, the music I've been listening to, apart from I've also I've got into a weird kind of trend of just listening to weird, not weird in the sense like Mongolian throat singing, but obscure pop songs. And I'll just kind of get hooked onto one song and just listen to it a lot for whatever reason, like. For instance, I've been listening a lot lately to Robbie Williams' uh, Tripping. Do you know that song? No. Uh, it's the one that goes, uh, First they ignore you, then laugh at you, then hit you. I know the government, the gonna be There's a good one. Anyway, listen to that. Listen to Daniel. <laughs> Daniel Bedingfield, if you're not the one. Um... Listen to some Coolio, Gangsta's Paradise. That's less obscure, I suppose. Oh. Uh, listening to some... Oh, that's what I listened to. I don't know. Just kind of weird weird shit like that. I don't know. I've, I've got into a, 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 an odd pop s- spiral. That That's all I can listen to now. Mm. Intriguing. Um, Intriguing. In terms of game go for this week, I actually haven't been playing any video games. But we did play Uno over Easter. Oh no! Sorry, breaking news. We 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 bought some donuts today. From uh, I'll give a quick plug here, Offbeat Donut Company in Dublin, and we put the little paper bag in with the guinea pigs so they can nibble on it, and one of them just got caught in it and was running around the cage. Oh no! And in the, the handle, yeah. and the bag was gone. Okay, they've been they have been freed. Uh, we played Uno over Easter. I bought I bought a, a thing of Uno. And can you believe, Joe, mm. that of all the people in my family, I was the only one who had played Uno before? No. Yeah, they didn't know the rules of it. Oh. I mean, I've not played it in a long time. so. I might but you've played it, critically. I pl- oh, yeah, you just played, played it a lot. Um, vaguely remember the rules. See, Uno's very close to a card game that we play called Switch, anyway. Uh, yeah, we played. It wasn't called Switch, but there is like a. a I'm sure. I'm sure there's game. lots of kind of regional variants on it. Uh, yeah, but what I hate is, and even within Ireland, like whenever we used to play Switch, or however you call it in your region of the world, listener, um, all everyone has different rules for it. Like when we used to play, it's like, um, two pick up two, Jack reverses. Mm. Eight skips, uh, ace to change a suit. And but someone will come and go. Uh, but for, uh, seven skips. I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay, with Uno, it's a lot more clear because you have a card that is just the skip card, and a right, card yeah. what is the pick up two, <laughs> two cards card. So it's a lot easier to just kind of be able to jump into it. And also, Uno has a, a good scoring, uh, sub game. Let's say, which is that at the end of each hand, you count up the scores that everyone has. And it's kind of once somebody breaks two hundred and fifty, whoever has the low score is the winner. 
So um, I didn't win. I'll just say that much. Um, was not very good at it. Natty was actually very good. Uh, my dad was the best, unfortunately. But Uno was a good fun game. I th- we picked it up on sale in Eason for like ten euro or something. Good deal. Mm. I do like game Uno. Uno is fun with uh, a lot of people. Ooh. And also what it has is I, I never played a version of Uno which had this before but it gives you also like two blank cards for you to write your own rule on. What? So you can have, for example, you throw down a card and you've written on it keep drawing until you get a blue card or something and the person doesn't keep, keep, keep picking up cards until they get a blue card or you can do like skip five people or something or I don't know. So, sounds like it could be an episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> he throws out the card. There's nothing written on it. And the world ends. So that's all the game. Sounds fun. Yeah, I'd love to talk about movies. Lots of movies. I'll tell you what, though, Joe. I'll let you go first. Okay, well, I've got a few, few movies here. I see you've watched one that I've also seen. Well, okay. Well, what means we could talk about it together? Um, so we watched a movie a couple of weeks ago called First Reformed. Yeah. Um, which stars your man, uh, what's his name? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, the one whose name I forget. Yeah. Um, he's in it. Is this one you've seen? Yeah. Okay. He's in it playing a priest at a church in America. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of a very small but historically significant church. It has a very small congregation. No one really goes there, but it's quite important for kind of tourist reasons and, and uh, for the history of the, the town. It was like the first church in the state or something like that. Um, he's also, he was the father of a war vet who died in Iraq as well. So that's the kind of setup. And then he, one of his um, congregation comes to him She's having a problem with her husband, who's kind of this eco-warrior type guy who's really worried about climate change and very depressed about uh, what we're doing to the planet and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it kind of takes off from there. It's quite a, quite an interesting film. Mm. It's written written and directed by Paul Schrader, who wrote uh, Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. Yeah. Um, very kind of heavy with themes. If you like themes, there's a lot of themes war religion the environment loss rebirth all that kind of stuff mm. um which which not always kind of that subtly portrayed i don't think in the film but still kind of very interesting performance is very good by Ethan Hawke um yeah it's, it's a strange one in terms of the the, the, the plot and, and what goes on it's it's a little bit surreal felt as well uh, what did you think of it? Um, yeah, I I thought the the strengths of it were like the writing for the most part, although I, I had some problems, especially towards the end, and um, and Ethan Hawke's performance. I was very surprised that he didn't get an Oscar nom for it. Like, I think it's it, yeah. the reason I watched this film. It was Oscar nominated, but it was nominated for its screenplay. And um, as you say, there are a lot of quite heavy themes. And heavy in the sense that they're kind of heavy-handed. Um, they're handled heavily, <laughs> I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, especially towards the end, like I think the last couple of scenes gets very 
I mean, graphic on one hand, but also a little bit over the top and a little bit like I, I wasn't entirely sure what what the writer was trying to do with that or what that exactly represented. It was a yeah. little bit too symbolic and a little bit too over the top. But mm. um, I thought the first like whatever hour and a half of the film was like really compelling. I was really really mm. into it. And then it just kind of, yeah. I mean, I know I'm a walking cliche at this point, but like, I don't know that the last 15 minutes or so really did it for me. Yeah. So it was just kind of the latest in one of those. <laughs> not, a, not a bad ending. Well, you know, it's t- endings are hard. Yeah. It's the hardest part of the movie. Um. Yeah, but outside, so his, yeah, his performance was great. Some kind of interesting themes, but as you say, a bit heavy-handed with them, a bit on the nose at times, and then yeah, I don't know. So I think I do think it was good. Give it a kind of thumbs up. Yeah, I uh, think I went not, an eight on it. Not with, not without its flaws. I don't know. I mean, I'm there's probably people who would like really get the ending, or that would really resonate mm. with them for whatever reason. But just f- for me, I just kind of it kind of was that. Not at odds with the rest of the film, but the rest of the film is kind of a very grounded, mm. straightforward story about yeah this this priest who's kind of trying to come to terms with you know not being able to help this this man and kind of questioning his own his own faith and motivations, and then towards the end, it I guess it's kind of manifests in a very physical way, but. In, in in a way that doesn't really make sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely a good film. <laughs> Not a fun yeah. film, but definitely a very good film. Uh, yeah. Um, so I saw yesterday, did a little double bill mm. at the cinema. Thought about seeing Avengers, but I was like, oh, I'm not that bothered. I'll, I can happily watch it when it's on streaming. Um, so I said decided to go and see two kind of smaller movies that I've been hearing a lot of buzz about, one of which was Eighth Grade, a uh, movie by Bo Burnham, uh, about an eighth grader uh, kind of going through the, the sort of teenage experience, which um, got a lot of... It was out, I think, nearly a year ago in the US. It's only just kind of made it over here. Um, and I, I think it did win some awards. I know it was it was Golden Globe nominated for the lead actress, and it, it won some other awards, but overlooked slightly. Uh, the other movie we saw was uh, mid '90s, which is a Jonah Hill movie written and directed by Jonah Hill, right. um, set in the mid '90s, about kind of a kid who gets into the skateboarding scene uh, in Los Angeles, and it's very much a coming of age movie as eighth grade is, uh, which kind of made it a very intriguing and interesting double bill. They, the films kind of complement each other really, really well. Um, so mid nineties, I really, really enjoyed a lot. Um, it's got a real kind of style and tone to it that that makes it feel kind of very, very unique. It's got some kind of beautiful shots in it. It's, it, I don't know, it was it's hard to describe. It was really about a movie that's all about kind of tone and feeling. And if you like that, I think you'll love the movie. Mm. Um, not kind of heavy with with plot or or too many themes. It, it was more about that kind of feeling and it really did evoke a certain certain type of era as well um it's really really well done 
the performances in it are credibly kind of naturalistic, very uh, Nouvelle Vague. Uh, <laughs> Paul, you'll know all about that. So. I was just thinking this conversation is going in that kind of direction. I know. Well, it, that's, <laughs> I, I was just going to, sorry, folks, this isn't a very funny episode this week. We're talking about <laughs> Nouvelle Vague now. Joe, continue. It well, yeah. If you think of the kind of um, uh, les quatre sont coups, les quatre um, sont coups, very, very reminiscent. Just right. the kind of style where you don't feel as if anyone in it is acting. Yeah, it does just sound like they're sat in the camera talking. It, it, there's no kind of performance about it, um, and that's really kind of a big strength of it. You do feel like it's just a bunch of kids kind of sitting around talking about skateboarding and their lives and, and this kind of thing. Mm. Um, which worked really, really well. And uh, it kind of, obviously I didn't grow up in Los Angeles, but Michelle did and she loved them. was actually you know, very moved by the portrayal of kind of 90s LA and, and how it was very different from uh, kind of contemporary Los Angeles and, and mm. kind of memories that came with that. But for me, um, kind of growing up in the 90s, it, there was quite a strong connection of the kind of culture and stuff. And it doesn't, dwell too much on the kind of typical 90s tropes so it, it it starts off with like you see it's kind of teenage mutant ninja turtles bedspread and the super nintendo mm. and there's a hulk hogan doll in it as well and that kind of thing but it then kind of moves away from that it doesn't rely on that uh, pure kind of nostalgic prop which a lot of um kind of period movies sometimes do yeah. um so that was really nice so yeah overall just just really kind of enjoyable experience it's not like a plot that's full of twists and turns it's more about this kind of coming of age story of this young boy who who kind of finds this this group of friends and finds this this culture and it's not even really i think it's not a skateboarding movie it's not about that that scene that was just kind of the 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 backdrop but it's it's more about kind of friendship and and how important those relationships are to uh kind of coming of age and 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 developing as as a kid um Similarly, eighth grade, um, set in set currently, set in twenty eighteen, mm. um, about a young girl who's uh, she's thirteen, she's in eighth grade in the US. She's quite lonely, doesn't have a lot of friends, and is it was quite a contrasting experience with mid nineties, because um, it's about uh, a teen who's struggling to find that that kind of bond, who needs those sort of bonds with with her peers. Um, and it also kind of obviously goes into the effects of, sort of social media and how that's a kind of both an outlet, but also, I guess, a kind of, uh, you know, a weight on sort of teenagers. Like they have to kind of perform for uh, Instagram or, or YouTube or Snapchat or whatever it is. Um, but it also then allows them to kind of express themselves in the same way that you know, kids have always sought to do that, whether it's like making your own little film or whether it's keeping a diary and that kind of thing. Um, so really mm. interesting, again, very quite naturalistic performance from the, the the lead actress um really believable a lot of her dialogue kind of felt like she was improvising it or you know working off a, a base script um yeah and it kind of follows follows her journey through her, her time at school and trying to kind of make friends and that it's quite an excruciating film at times because it's, it's the closest you get to kind of feeling like you're 13 again and feeling incredibly self-conscious and uh, feeling like you're constantly uh, anxious about what other people think and about how you know if something goes wrong, it's going to be the complete end of your world and all this kind of stuff. Um, but that was that was a really great, really really great movie too. Really enjoyed that. Really kind of moving. You really really uh, feel for the 
the lead character and really kind of want them to, to succeed and want to want them to, to 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 feel good and you kind of go on that journey with them so two really good films and to be honest i probably saw two films in the space of a few hours that were better than anything i saw last year um they were both fantastic and and what seeing them together was made it even kind of better it was like a perfect double bill well based on what you're saying there there's a film that i saw last year uh one of my favorites of last year that i think you'd really enjoy the only thing is i think it would be very hard to get your hands on uh which a documentary called minding the gap Mm. um which like mid 90s is for all intents and purposes uh, a skateboarding documentary but really it isn't really it's about these three kids that kind of grow up together and their lives diverge in very different ways mm. excellent excellent film and as you say very naturalistic very well it's, it's a documentary so there's not yeah. <laughs> performance in the same way but it's like very 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 naturalistic and very very compelling uh, but I think it's I think it's a Hulu exclusive oh. so unless you have a way of watching Hulu yeah um, you find it difficult to come by, but uh, if you ever come across it, definitely, definitely worth a watch. One of the one of the best films of last year. Um, so I watched a few movies as well. The first of which was a film called Identity. I don't know if you've seen this one yourself, Joe. Uh, which one is that? Stars is that the old John Cusack. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason I watched this film, by the way, is because I I googled uh best mystery films. Mm. I was just in kind of a mystery film mood and uh, I went through like the first 40 or so films and mm. I've seen like nearly all of them <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I downloaded uh, I mean bought uh, four <laughs> of the uh, downloaded them on iTunes that's alright um, four of the films I hadn't seen one of which was Identity I've also um, got Chinatown. Fair enough is directed by a diddler, but I'll give it a watch anyway. Yeah. Uh, the Maltese Falcon, and what was the other one? Uh, Chinatown. Maltese Falcon. Uh, hang on, one second now. Oh, the game, nineteen ninety-seven. The game starring Michael Douglas, which I know nothing about, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. Um. But Identity was the first one I watched, and uh, f- funnily enough, uh, really the only of the four that I I already knew quite a bit about going in. That's why I watched it first, because Identity has, for all intents and purposes, quite a big twist in it. And unfortunately, I, I was already aware of the twist mm. when I went to watch it. Um, but funnily enough, the twist happens with still a good... 30 minutes left in the film and it doesn't really ruin the film in the sense that knowing something like the twist of of the sixth sense or the twist of shutter island like i think that would nearly ruin watching the movie knowing Mm. where it kind of goes um so identity is a story about these uh (laughs) i mean the setup is quite similar to something like clue is these 10 people come to together during this like heavy storm to this roadside motel um and then they start getting killed off one by one it's, it's i mean it has a bit of a slasher film element to it as well mm. but they're trying to work out which of them is the killer and so on and so forth um at the start i was kind of unsure on it because it it almost looks 
and and feels like a cheaper film. It doesn't feel like a a triple A Hollywood production. Yeah. Um, it's kind of almost got a TV movie feeling to it, but it's got I mean quite a good cast. It's got John Cusack, as I said. It's got um, what's the guy's name? Hang on, I'm gonna look it up here. It's got Ray Liotta in it. Oh yeah. It's directed by uh, James Mangold, who would go on to direct Logan, which is my favorite <laughs> superhero film of the all times. Um, and the Wolverine, not not quite as good. Um. It stars also uh, Professor Cox from Scrubs, or Doctor Cox, I should say. I don't think he's a professor in it. Uh, it's got um, Carol Pilkington favorite Rebecca De Mornay in it. Oh, Jesus! Uh, she get killed very fast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and um, there is there is kind of like a, there's a big obviously a big twist in it. There's kind of a meta narrative going on that I won't you know say much about because it does lead to the twist but even yeah. after the twist is revealed there there's still um revelations that happen that thankfully I, I didn't know about so there was still something for me to kind of get into and then towards the end of the film funnily enough after the twist i kind of really got into it and really enjoyed it and uh i do think that the twist is good i think i think they kind of show their hand too often too early uh, i do think it's a really clever twist and if i if I didn't know about it already, I would kind of wonder how I'd react to it. But all in all, I, th- I found it quite a good film, quite a good um, Agatha Christie style whodunit. And uh, I really like the location as... Excuse me, I'm very burpy at the moment. Mm. I really like the location as kind of a character in itself. It's one of those bottle movies mm. that t- takes place entirely in this one location. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember it that well. Just vaguely remember it being a bit shite. <laughs> or a little bit silly. Definitely, at, I mean, definitely at the start, it's a bit shite. And definitely overall, it's a bit silly. Yeah. Um, but no, and, and I think, um, I think the, <laughs> I think the very end of it is a bit, is a bit silly. There is, there is like one final uh, revelation at the very, very end of the film that almost uh, entirely ruins it. But, mm. I I kind of enjoyed it enough that like I could I could kind of forgive it. Mm. It's um, I mean it's, I mean I I if 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 I don't think anyone's gonna w- watch this sixteen year old film uh, off the back of this review, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of got a bit of a, you know Maggie Simpson is the one who shot Mister Burns to it. We're like yeah. wait a minute, the dog was the killer. It's like something like that. You know, it's it's a little bit silly, but uh, it was it was fun enough. I, I didn't um, I didn't hate it or I didn't dislike it in, in to any real extent. I, th- I thought it was a good fun watch, and it's very short. It's only ninety minutes, so nice easy watch. Uh, I then watched a film called Porco Rosso, which is a film about an Italian uh, pilot who is a pig. <laughs> okay. And um, it's uh, it's a film directed by Hayao Miyazaki who did Spirited Away and uh, Howl's Moving Castle and all those great Japanese films mm. and it's it's funny because aside from the fact that he is a pig it's a really straightforward World War 2 airplane film <laughs> it's like aside from the fact that he's a pig there's really no other supernatural element to it or like 
out of this world element to it. He just happens to be a man who's been turned into a pig. And, I mean, not to spoil the film, there's never an explanation given for how he turned into a pig. He just he just is a pig. It's not important, really, is it? No, but they talk about, like, that you used to be a human and there's photos of him as a human. But, like, it's never really explained how he came to be a pig. Mm. Um, he just he just is one, uh, and it's great. It was my first time watching. I've seen it before. Natty had never seen it, and we're kind of working our way through the Studio Ghibli films, and uh, it's really good. It's a re- but it's a really good kind of war film. That's what it is. Um, mm. It's got dog fights in it, um, pig fights, I suppose, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like it's it's quite a slow film. It's not a very exciting film, but it's it's at the same time captivating and you really care about the characters and everything a gosh darn good film should do okay, so it was my so second true. time watching I really liked it and uh, and then today we got out of bed early Ooh. we went to the cinema for the 11 o'clock showing of Babengers the end of the game Infinity War Part 2 uh, I don't know why they just didn't fucking call it Infinity War Part 2, because that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it, it's, it's just the second half of that story. That's, that's Ooh, all no, it is. It's not a part two, it's a new one. It gets more people in. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, I guess, I guess so, because it's made fucking 1.2 goddamn billion dollars already. Bajillion dollars. It's like the biggest opening weekend in history, I believe. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Easily. Be. So we were there at 11 a.m. Cinema packed. Mm. Packed house. I can only imagine how busy it would have been for the 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock shows. Uh, so what, what I'll do here is I'll, I'll err on the side of caution uh, saying things about the film. And um, when Barry's back, because I know Barry's seen it. When Barry's back, we can do our between ourselves, and I, I, I'm going to assume you won't see it in the next week. Uh, a spoilery discussion about because um, it's a film that, like, like, I, like I, I don't remember if we, we were actually recording when we were having this chat earlier today, but we were discussing about how much to talk about the film. How much is is considered a spoiler? Like, c- can mm. I say what the plot of the film is what the the general kind of conceit well i assume is, it relates or... to thanos he's yeah. not he hasn't just disappeared has he completely and it's about something else no he made the other people disappear mm, would, mm, okay um i mean in a general sense the film is about the characters reacting to that <laughs> that's what the okay. film is yeah. i don't think that's what i say I mean, I didn't think they were just going to kind of yada yada over that and not, no. not mention it. That'd be weird. And um, I'll say first and foremost that I liked it quite a bit. I didn't like it as much as Infinity War. I think Infinity War is a more focused, cleaner film. Mm. Um, and I, I really, really liked Infinity War. I think Infinity War is one of one of the best Marvel films that they've done of the 22. Uh this one I didn't like quite as much. It's 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 funny because it's simultaneously too long and not long enough. Mm. Um, and I think it's crazy for me to say, but I would almost think that they they could have kind of split this into two films. Like it could have been 
Infinity War Part One, Part Two, Part Three. Oh Jesus! And I know, I know. That's I, as someone who's criticized these films for the longest time for being too fucking long and not having enough stuff going on. It's like it's three hours long, but it's like packed with so many ideas and so much stuff going on that some of the little parts I wish like were like a little bit longer, because even with a running time of three hours. Uh, especially in the second act, some of it just feels a bit rushed, and I wish that it would have some time. The first, like, hour uh, is so fucking slow. It's just... It's like the first two episodes of this season's Game of Thrones, <laughs> where the characters all just walk around to go, where all our friends are gone. Oh. It's just that for an hour. Is it, is it just Tony Stark going, I want the girl's cock. <laughs> uh, I, want, I want a girl's mouthy cock. When I disappear after... Yeah, your man's finger is snapping. I want the girl on my cock to <laughs> turn to dust and fly away. <laughs> um, the first hour is very, very, very slow. The second hour is very, very, very fast. Almost to the point that I wish, as I said, that it was kind of stretched out a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the end I found I found really satisfying, um, especially the resolution that one character gets um i thought was like the perfect close to their story arc i thought it was perfectly done excellent 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 um so yeah i mean i thought it was uh a very very good kind of climax to this i think what they're calling the infinity stone saga or the infinity war saga infinity era the infinity era uh, as we move now into the ruthless aggression era, um, I found it a very, very good conclusion to that story. If you like, if you consider the Marvel films like a series of comic books, this is definitely a very good conclusion to that story. Um, that being said, you know, I found some of it, the pacing kind of all over the place. I thought it was, I thought it was quite a messy film, um, but nevertheless, kind of undeniably entertaining and full of kind of punch the air fan servicey moments um and yeah i liked it a lot mm. can't say much more than that um and that's our movie guff for this week that's, it. that's all so joe uh we don't have any emails we don't have any games to play uh Except this this game we we all play called Life. Called pretending uh, to like wrestling. <laughs> well, it's funny because I had a quick gander at the old um, the old dirt sheets there. That's a term I haven't used the in about nine dirt years. Sheets. The old sheets, brother. This is a rag sheet, brother. Observe this, brother. Throws it into the fire. Um. So there was there was only two stories that I of all the. Of the two weeks that we were away, two stories that I thought were in any way kind of discussion-worthy. I see that you've added one yourself, and of course, you have the feature that the world's been waiting for, the continuation Mm -hmm. of your WCW Rewind. Yes. Uh, So let's start with that. What have you been watching? Start with that. Um, Yeah, so we, I think we left off a couple of few weeks ago with Great American Bash 91, uh, not particularly good um so we're still still in 91 uh next pay-per-view was halloween havoc 1991 um it's a bit of a an infamous show this was one that i had on 
VHS as a kid. So this is a show that I watched an awful lot uh, and remember really, really well. Um, So it starts with um, the various wrestlers arriving outside the arena in front of this kind of quite steep, like grassy verge, which always stuck in my mind for some reason, because it looked like the sort of grassy verge uh, near where I went to school. Um, (laughs) I knew it wasn't the same one. Oh, I was going to (laughs) ask. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't the same. They didn't film That's it my school. in Catford, but it always stuck in my mind. Um, so first of all, um, Abdullah and, and Cactus Jack pull up in this kind of brown sedan, like rental car, which immediately kills their mystique. <laughs> They're like these sociopath, <laughs> like um, savages. They pull up in this fucking Buick, like rental car. Yeah, I it never, bit... I never really thought about that. How characters like yeah you know how do the head, how do the head shrinkers get to how does kevin sullivan get to the shows it, it kind of reminds me of i think i don't know if it was the first halloween but where michael myers is like driving a car and it's like where the fuck did michael myers learn how to drive like well this is ridiculous um but anyway yeah so that they turn up and do do this shtick um eric bishop is out there kind of interviewing them all the rest as they arrive uh they're also kind of doing this angle about the wcw phantom uh, which is something they keep kind of building up and that, that will pay off later. Hmm. Um, anyway, so this segment kind of it finishes with an angle where Barry Windham arrives and gets attacked by uh, Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco, who slam his arm uh, in a car door, breaking his hand, which we're going to play up later. Um, the first match is quite a famous WrestleCrap match. It was a Chamber of Horrors match. Yeah. Um, so what this is is a cage match with... Uh, an electric chair in the middle. This was one of Kevin Sullivan's deals, wasn't it? The... I, no, I think this was Dusty. Right, this was oh, when Dusty. Dusty. Was, Dusty. Ke- I think, was yeah. Kevin Sullivan involved in these matches then? I, I don't know why, but in my head, I linked that to Kevin Sullivan. No, he was the what were they called? He was the, with the Dungeon, Dungeon of, of Doom. Doom. Dungeon yeah. of Doom. Yeah, so that was that was later, but yeah. Okay, never mind. He so it, it's essentially, um, I don't describe it. It's kind of a battle royal. Like they're all in. There's two teams. They're all kind of in there. But the electric chair doesn't get kind of lowered until a few minutes into the match for some reason. So they're all just kind of get in, have a big schmoz, and then this electric chair is kind of um, <laughs> descends from the, the top of the cage down into the ring and sort of takes up most of the ring as well, basically. So they can't kind of wrestle around it. Um, the object is to get an, a member of the opposing team, put them in the chair, and then go and flip a switch, which is in the top corner of uh, one of the cages. Uh, the kind of funny thing about that was, and I think Mick Foley tells this story in his first book, but the switch that's in the corner keeps kind of falling down uh, into the on position. So when he goes to turn it on, he has to flick, flip it back up to off and then turn it back on again. Kind of kind of kills the, the gimmick a little bit. Um, the match is that it's not like that bad a match, but it's just such a stupid gimmick. They can't really go anywhere. and can't really deliver a payoff. Mm. Um and you have kind of eight guys in there, with the exception of El Gigante. You've got the Steiners, Sting, Cactus Jack, Abdullah, Scott Hall, and Vader, who are all fucking amazing, like Hall of Fame wrestlers in this ridiculous gimmick. Um, so it kind of lumbers on for a while, and eventually Abdullah gets uh, electrocuted, uh, and this kind of pyro explodes everywhere from the chair. Uh, the mat catches on fire. Abdullah's supposedly being <laughs> supposedly getting cooked by this electric chair. And Tony Schiavone bursts out and goes, well, I think he's well done. And it's weird because it's not supposed to be comedy, but then they can't really play it seriously either because it's not like a man's really getting murdered in an electric chair. 
in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Um, so it just doesn't kind of work at all. Um, Cactus and Abdullah are both uh, bladed, of course, as well. So they're just there bleeding all over the shop whilst being electrocuted. Commentators are kind of making jokes. God knows what the audience is supposed to make of it, but it, it was, you know, one of these dusty ideas, I guess, sounds good on paper. Um, yeah, so if you've never seen that, don't don't check it out, obviously. <laughs> Maybe watch the clips on, on WrestleCrap. Um, so after that, we had uh, Bobby Eaton beat Terry Taylor in a decent match. Uh, Johnny B. Bad and Jimmy Jam Garvin had a very forgettable match. Um... Steve Austin defended the TV title against Dustin Rhodes. They both do blade jobs in this match. Uh, and as you know, I love I love blood in wrestling more than anyone. Love a good blade job, but um, two men both doing it in a kind of mid card TV title match uh, that ends up in a time limit draw probably a bit unnecessary. Mm. Uh, the match was okay. Uh, we then got Oz, uh, who you remember was played by Kevin Nash. Yeah. Doing a kind of Wizard of Oz gimmick. He came out for, sadly, his final pay-per-view match. Um, he doesn't have the wizard with him anymore. So he's kind of lost that already. He's also got rid of the grey hair. And he's now kind of got the, the bleach blonde, uh, more kind of natural looking hair. He wrestles uh, Bill Kazmaier, who is, you know, the build as the world's strongest man. He comes out carrying this kind of giant uh, like globe balloon on his back, which I guess is supposed to be kind of symbolic of like Atlas yeah. currently in the globe on him. Um, but it's a balloon. So it's not actually that impressive. Like I could carry that. Uh, and <laughs> really work. What I think would have been better if he'd come out like pulling a lorry behind him, like they do in the world's strongest man yeah. or like carrying a fridge or something, you know, one of those sort of tasks that they do that would, that would be impressive. Um, match was shy, obviously. And Oz loses again to uh, Kazmaier. Um, up next, we got Van Hammer, uh, the, the rock and roller, taking on a guy called Doug Summers, who is announced as uh, Pretty Boy Doug Summers. Now, I've, I've heard some misleading nicknames in my time, but this might be the worst case of false advertising well, I've yeah, ever o- heard. O- ugly boy. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tweet. Um, just gonna tweet a little uh, picture of him on the Chairshot account that I've got here. Okay. Just, let me just bring this up. Uh, if I can find the photo. No, I've lost it now. But anyway, he is in... Not only is he not, you know, a pretty boy, he's in absolutely kind of terrible shape as well. Like, possibly the worst shape I've ever seen a wrestler be in uh, in a match. Okay. Um, so I'll tweet that photo out. You can have a look at that. Um, so they have a match which uh, probably even worse than the, the previous one with, with Oz and Bill Kazmaier, which is... Uh, pretty remarkable. Um, what was up next? Uh, Brian Pillman beat Ricky Morton in the final of the light heavyweight title match. That was the the title. It was the precursor to the cruiserweight title. That only ended up kind of lasting a year. And I think Bill Watts came in and wasn't particularly a fan of, of the cruiserweights. Um, we then got the reveal of the the WCW. Oh no, we got WCW Phantom in action. He takes on Tom Zenk. And wins in quick order with a rude awakening neckbreaker. Uh, we don't find out who it is at this stage. Bit. He's wearing one of those uh, 70s style masks where you can basically see the face. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, it's not really a particularly a mystery. Uh, and also, Tony Schiavone announces the finisher as the rude awakening. Uh, so, hmm, the clues were there if you're paying attention. Mm. 
Um, Paul Lee Dangerously then comes out with Medusa and starts to cut a promo about how he was fired uh, as an announcer, WCW announcer, but he still has a manager's license. So now he's going to be, uh, become a manager and uh, he's going to wreak his kind of revenge on WCW by taking out all their biggest stars. Um, and the first member he reveals is a WCW Phantom, who's, of course, Recruit. Mm. Um, so the whole kind of um, Phantom stuff is pretty campy, but it, the actual payoff was pretty good because Recruit was a you know, big star at that point. He'd just been, I think, doing a world title feud with the Ultimate Warrior in WWF. So he was coming off you know, quite, quite a big program. Uh, and this was the formation of the dangerous Alliance, which was like one of my favorite, um, factions of all time. And a big kind of, uh, I guess it come like a version of the early version of the NWO in many ways. Cause they were kind of like an insurgent group within WCW. Mm. Uh, and Heyman was, was fantastic in the role as well. Very kind of believable. Um, so yeah, so then finally on the show, main event is Ron Simmons versus Lex Luger. Lex Luger's the champ. So a two out of three falls match for the world title. Um, have quite a nice video package on, on Ron Simmons and talk about his football career and everything. Um, match itself wasn't particularly good. And I don't think Luger was, was particularly asked about having a good match. So it wasn't, wasn't that good. Um, yeah, so that was, that was Halloween Havoc 1991. I can't really recommend it. Um, even though I watched it probably several dozen times as a kid, um, it does have the beginning of the Dangerous Alliance. So, so if you're if you're kind of following that that storyline in WCW, this would be the best place to start. Um, but yeah, it was it was not not great. 1991, not the not the best year for WCW. I'm discovering mm. it in hindsight. Uh, but I will be back with the next show, Clash of the Champions, uh, next week. So look look forward to that. There you go. I actually was watching a compilation video in the week of all of the WCW World Heavyweight title changes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tell you what, Lex Luger uh, came off in the compilation video as a guy with a ton of charisma. Yeah, I think Lex Luger was pretty good when when he wanted to be. When he was bothered. Yeah, sort of early WCW, bits of WWF. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a strange one. He had, um, he had a lot of good qualities. I think it was, yeah. I think it's redundant to say as well, but um, fuck the amount of times that the WCW title was vacated in like ninety nine and two thousands was ridiculous. Yeah. Like every fucking yeah. month, and the amount of times because this this compilation video had like uh, to the side it would be noted. Uh, which reign this was for the person was it their second reign, their third reign, and also yeah. the amount of days that they held the title during that reign. The amount of times the length was one day was ridiculous. Yeah, it was very silly towards the end. And but they, like they would do like a dusty finish, right? And then the title was vacated because of it. Instead, <laughs> just instead of just keep yeah yeah just keep it about. I don't know mad stuff. Anyway. Uh, I also watched an episode of uh, Table for Three. You know that show on the. Oh, okay. I watched the one with um, Adam Cole, Ricochet, and Johnny Gargano. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah, it was was fun. Bit bit of OTT footage in it there as well. The old Tiv, rest in peace. Um, that was a nice one. It was very funny that they had the clips of um, 
very young Ricochet, looking like the biggest geek in the world. Very young Johnny Gargano with the ponytail, looking like the biggest geek in the world. And very young Adam Cole, fucking sex hunk. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was an enjoyable. Was very, very sexy young man. Uh, oh my, I've just seen this tweet. <laughs> Pretty boy, Doug Summers. He looks like, oh, I don't know. He looks like what I would imagine an actor playing Principal Skinner would look like. He got that kind of sour face. He looks like he'd be on an episode of, um, he's got a bit of, he got a bit of Jeremy Paxman to him, actually. Bit of Partridge, bit the, of Paxman. What's the least accurate part of that nickname? Pretty or boy? <laughs> Jesus, he's a, he's a rough. Yeah, I had to crop out everything below the below the chest because it was even worse. Yeah, I mean, in the name of decency, like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that has a little bit of a little bit of um, you know, twenty eighteen Shawn Michaels still coming out the sexy boy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, Radio. Well, that's our our WWE Network review. I haven't watched um, the latest NXT yet. Okay. Uh, we get on to that. I don't remember if there was anything that noteworthy from the previous week. Um, a quick gander. Oh, of course. I uh, the first episode had a very good um, Velveteen Dream Buddy Murphy match. Mm. That was very, very good. So, okay. And uh, apart from that, I don't think there was much else. Much else in the way of noteworthy, go out of your way to watch stuff. Mm. Um, so I guess we can move on to the old superstar shake-up. So the first bit of controversy that happened on that post... Uh, the, the, the Raw After Mania... Or the Raw after the Raw after Mania, I should say. Uh, is that War Raiders are now on Raw. Mm. Uh, but have had their name changed to the Viking Experience. Which was then changed to the Viking Raiders. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be play devil's advocate here a little bit. Ooh, I'm going to play uh, Dick Advocate. Here and just say former Rangers manager. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say that War Raiders wasn't a particularly good name in the first place. Um, no, but it wasn't offensively bad. I, I think. think I think the Viking Raiders is is a good name. It's a perfectly fine name. I think the Viking Experience was a dreadful name. Yeah, that was shy. Uh, but I don't think War Raiders was a good name either. Um, War Machine kind of worked, but I understand mm. why they couldn't use War Machine. Um, Vi- the Viking experience came off like, to me, like the hokiest um, name come up with by a bunch of suits in a boardroom. <laughs> Shite, you know the what the Vikings, the Viking experience. What a horrible name that is, Viking Raiders. Well, that's what they are, kind of. They're like Viking Raiders. Yeah, that work. That works for me. Uh, why they changed their name to Eric and uh, Ivar, I'll never know. <laughs> well, I I didn't really know their names before, to be honest. So uh, really... Was Hansen, which you should know, 
Hansen and Rowe. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, because this is the trick, isn't it? Is that they're not really Vikings. And I don't think... I don't... I mean, I, I always read the gimmick yeah. as... I always read the gimmick as that they are Americans who have taken on the Viking way. You know, they, they live the Viking lifestyle. But they're mm. not, like, from Norway. Or, mm. you know... And then they already have Eric Rowan as well. His name was already Eric. And they've Eric Young. And now they're just Eric. Mm. Um, I mean, I think the the kind of worst part of all this is uh, forgetting about the name. Uh, they're now on Raw. <laughs> well, I mean, what I was going to say is the worst part of all this, um, forgetting the name, is not so much that they're now on Raw. But, like, what's the point of building people up in NXT for two years only to have their names change the second that they're put on Raw? Mm. Like, NXT, to me, is watched by enough people that you're kind of building your your wrestlers' brands there as as much as, you know, learning them how to do a hip toss and whatnot. Mm. You know? Um... But anyway, they're on Raw now, and they're still the NXT Tag Champions, which is now second time they've done that, along with bringing Champ up as the NXT Champion, as well as Kevin Owens back in the day and all that. But um, it's funny, though, because they were, for instance, uh, in the latest WWE game, WWE mm. 9, 2K19, yeah. you know, as War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe, uh, so yeah, again, it's just a, a weird rebranding that I don't know that it really has any benefit to. Unlike calling it Endgame instead of Infinity War Part Two, mm. I don't know that they'd be any less important or more important called Hanson and Row. Uh, although, like I said, I do think Viking Raiders is a better name. Um, also, returning to the old fold, uh, Bray Wyatt doing a kind of Blue's Clues gimmick. Yeah. The, uh, the old Timmy Mallet. Mm. Um, what do you think of this? I don't know quite quite what to make of it. Because when I, I thought, saw like a gif of it uh, the morning after and I thought, ooh, actually that looks quite good. Uh, but then I watched it and I thought it was shite. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I think I need to I see just... more of it before I can kind of fall on either side of the fence. Um, I I didn't think. I think I was expecting him to have completely kind of changed his look to to be something else, but it just kind of looked like Bray Wyatt with his hair tied back. Well, I mean, he's he's kind of trimmed the beard up a little bit. Mm. He got a nice little, you know, Jason Momoa beard. Yeah. He's got the hair, yeah, dreadlock back. He got a tattoo on the back of his neck. Um, I mean, surely. Again, to play devil's advocate here, surely anything is better than what he had been doing <laughs> the last couple of years. I suppose so. Yeah, that's kind of the point. But if it's the same thing, if he's just—I well, don't know wired. what it is, really. You know, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Of it, is he had they they did the the promo videos with the spooky puppet and the spooky um, doll, mm. and then they revealed that this is what it is. It's kind of a colorful kids tv show premise like like i said long line of a blues clues or a 
one of those mm-hmm. things. And but then he like he cut the standee in half with a chainsaw, and there was still kind of some stuff there. So I don't know quite what the direction they're kind of trying to go in with that is, but I, guess, I suppose we'll see over the next few weeks. Um, something different at least. Mm. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And then final story of the week. We'll close out with this. Uh, TV ratings are down, Joe. Yeah. In the yeah. pooper, as you eloquently put it. They are down 25% on last year. As, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, 25% of people haven't cancelled their cable in the last year, so... Unusual. Um, multiple kind of theories as to why this is. Uh, I think the main one is just that Raw is very stale and boring with no stars on it. Mm. That would that'd be my guess. Could be. Could be. Yeah, do you have any alternate Well, I mean, they're going to be on Fox, obviously, very soon. So I'd be, I'm interested to see the bump that they get for the first few weeks on Fox. And whether it very quickly nosedives back to where it was, because you would have to assume there's going to be an increase for that for, for that first little period at least. Oh, I'm sure they will, and I'm sure they'll have a lot of big names on the first uh, episode. How long do you think? Um, and I used to be very much against this, but I'm really you know at a stage now where, where I couldn't give a shite. Um, how long before they start doing those super show Raws where it's Raw with all the stars of SmackDown? I don't think it'll take long, but probably the other way around. Like, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a SmackDown super show. Yeah. Uh, to try and pop. Because I'm generally a big fan of the brand extension as an idea. Mm. That you get more faces on the shows. I mean, nothing gets more repetitive than when fucking SmackDown is just the same people as Raw doing fuck all. So I like yeah. the idea that there's there's guys you can only see on SmackDown, there's guys you can only see on Raw. But that's the first thing they run to when the ratings start dipping is get the fucking SmackDown guys on Raw again. And they just... And that's what happened last time. And last time it devolved to the point that Raw just had everyone on it and SmackDown only had the kind of worst half of people on it. So what's where's the incentive to watch SmackDown then? And there's word going around that SmackDown's potentially going to move to three hours as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and um, the problem is who do, who do they bring over from Raw? Well, they've, <coughs> they've done the they've done the, the extension. Who are the, big, who are the big stars? Yeah, but for a super show, who's bring back yeah, AJ Styles? AJ, right? Seth Rollins. Yeah, is that? Would anyone care? I don't know. That anyone cares about anyone these days? John Cena, get him back. I don't think he's coming back. He's going to be in the next Fast and Furious, apparently. If you saw that. But... Oh, you mean the the one after Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. Which, which has Roman Reigns in it already. Yeah. Go, and Roman Reigns in it going, whoa. <laughs> which is in the trailer if you've not seen it. And I think he does a spear in it as well. So there you go. Mm. Add that to the list. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some. It'll be interesting to see where WWE goes. Do they address the kind of fundamental 
problems. Uh, well, they won't. They'll, what they'll do, Joe, is they will go to Saudi Arabia and get a lot of money. And then that money will justify the business model. Yeah. Um, what's kind of interesting, AEW look like they might be getting a TV deal. Seems like it's probably done. Mm. Uh, and also Vince still seems to be plowing ahead with the new uh, XFL 2.0. Um, I think this could be a very uh, interesting year coming up. Well, we will could be see. 1996 all over again. Well, Joe, their latest fucking announcement is a wrestler from 1996, Dustin Rhodes. That video was good, though. The video was good, but... I think it's it's misleading in the fact that Dustin Rhodes is a very very old wrestler who I'm gonna go out on a limb and say isn't that good. So yeah, yeah. So, video was very good, and I, I I saw the video, but um, still Goldust though, isn't it? Um, I mean I don't know. I'd prefer a kind of well done story. Um, that doesn't necessarily have a five-star match at the end to just another kind of bog-standard WWE match. Is this why you didn't see Avengers Endgame? <laughs> <laughs> that is very much the WrestleMania of movies. Hmm, I suppose. Um, you would like Minding the Gap. The, yeah. the AEW of films. Like um... I think that's all we have for this week, Joe. I think you're right, Paul. I think we're right. Well, listeners, if you want to check out our stuff, we got our, our pluggies in now. Uh, you can go to chairshoppodcast.com. There's a lot of stuff on there. Uh, first and foremost, you can access to our entire back catalogue of episodes. So if you want to see what we thought about WrestleMania 28, you can. Or SummerSlam... 2011 that's on there as well um you can send us an email just uh the quickest link for that is just go to chairshotpodcast.com slash email and that'll bring you directly to the form to allow you to send us off an email you can ask us about movies games wrestling whatever don't fucking ask us anything just tell us what you think and we'll talk about it i don't know um we have the store link on there uh, that'll lead you to an empty page because WWE took down our uh, Prod Michaels merchandise. Thanks very much, Vince, for that. Um, we also have a link to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash chairshotpodcast. Uh, Stitcher, if you use Stitcher, the link is on there as well. Uh, a few uh, blog um, updates I put on there as well. I haven't done that in a long time, though. But there are some there are some of the best blogs from our, back, our old uh, blog page are up on there as well. And, of course, that's where every episode gets posted. So if you want to listen to all the episodes, you can listen to them there. You can download them through uh, iTunes. And we're also on Spotify. So if you have Spotify, mm-hmm. just search Chair Shop Podcast. You can also listen to the episodes on there and subscribe to them on there as well. So that's pretty much everything. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter... Uh, Chairshot Pod, of course, and Facebook, uh, Chairshot Podcast on there. Uh, and I'm at Paul Griffin CSP on Twitter. And Joe is Griff Tannen. Yep. Uh, and also, I 
I'll give you my credit card number as well. If you want that. But that's only on the Patreon special <laughs> cuts. Uh, so anything else we need to say, Joe? Or will we leave it there? No, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Okay. Have a great week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll hopefully be back next week, barring any kind of uh, illness or that I forget the mixer again. We'll see. So thanks for listening, and goodbye. All right.